Well, hello, everybody. This is not an official narrative live. This is just uh, us recovering in a good way from an incredible <laughs> interview uh, yesterday with Steve Hoffenberg. Uh, the laugh you'll recognize is Lincoln's Bible. Uh, Eric Garland, you'll also recognize there in the box above me. Uh, and uh, Steve is not here today, but I think he's listening in any event. We, yesterday's uh, show was just enlightening on so many levels. And if you haven't heard it yet, you can now hear it and watch it uh, by downloading the podcast in all three glorious parts on uh, your favorite podcast player or on the uh, Narrative Live podcast page. But I just wanted to get everyone together and talk about what we heard. So I can open it right wide open or we could start sort of at the beginning, but let's maybe just go wide open. What's What was your biggest takeaway, LB? Uh well, I think it was the sort the realization and confirmation that all the same players were that we've been tracking through sort of major scandals and uh, the president's money laundering past um, showed up in the towers story as well. Mm-hmm. So uh, the Adnan Khashoggi and the Tom Barrack piece of it was those were that's where my brain was i mean i just couldn't help but laugh because here they are again you know this the same group of arms dealers and money launderers and shady businessmen for um uh, bone saw regimes (laughs) uh, continue to to show up uh, around uh around these financial these big financial scandals um uh and all of it is you know donald trump is in, in there right in one way or another so yeah uh I, I just i don't know i mean are they the fucketeers i think they're the global fucketeers and they just there's this band of lawless nationless i guess you know we don't know who they work well, for. well they're not really nationless um, really i mean in some cases i mean there's a couple nations that keep coming up that yeah. i think these guys keep working for um so that was that was interesting that there they were in towers as well yeah very interesting eric well i have to adopt the term fucketeers for (laughs) freelance uh espionage financier industrial scale rape industrial scale rapists i mean frankly you do need a new term at that point um so my question you know i'm going to take the the intelligence side of this um like since we're being uh, profane and uh because we should after last night like who the fuck do these guys work for i mean like all right are they ours they live here they were born here are they saudi israeli kremlin there's some there's some Beijing connections in there early, but Beijing was doing its own thing. But you know, then you know, MI6 turns up, and you know, then we got the mob and Paul Manafort and Ferdinand. Mar- well, who who's who? Right. And, but you know, and maybe the the answer here is this is the fucketeers was this group of guys who they were just so important because they were important, and they were important because they knew everybody because they be. knew everybody because they were important because they knew everybody. That would be the better solution. I mean, I, the scary part of it, what happens if there's a, an unknown network out there of, of maybe their intelligence, maybe their organized crime, maybe they're, uh, you know, uh, people who rule countries. 
who seem to have a really, really negative intent on what they what they want to do to America. Like it's not just a you know a little revenge war or a uh, or you know a simple kind of rebuttal. This is a essentially it feels like an attempt to really destroy the country. And so who they are is critical you get because the they sense, are the yeah. enemy. And so it's good to know who your enemy is, I guess, uh, in the event of, uh, of, of a war of this, of this nature. And uh, I don't think we have a clue. I mean, can we all agree uh, no, that none of us want the them? Sorry, we can have a clue by following the money. Yes. Um, it, it, that, the money is the way. So mm -hmm. when, you know, when Steve was saying what he's saying, and I said, and I said, yeah, so there's paper, right? Because the last thing you want in organized crime is paper. You don't want paper. Um, uh, there's a lot of paper in towers. Uh, there's a lot of paper in BCCI, which was another sort of scandal we touched on and an operator that's connected to all, uh, historically connected to all this, no longer in existence. Um, there's tremendous paper uh, that's connected to the CIA within BCCI. So that's a problem. And, uh, and that got shut down by Attorney General Bucketeer, uh, who's in this band of goons, always, always showing up. The, the weapons and the money seem to follow each other because that seems to be what they're trading, mm -hmm. at least in the, mm -hmm. in the obvious way. Uh, and so that's the where operations we're... are organized crime. They're yeah. using organized crime. You know, that's your muscle. That's your on your ground. That's your distribution network. That's your, those are your guys are going to pull it off. Um, yeah. And then they've also got a, a real influence network. They have either bought or yeah. are, uh, you know, a, a wide variety of politicians with enormous influence. Yeah. Yes. They have leveraged their way into the halls of power. I do want to play that great Bill Barr clip um, from, uh, from his confirmation hearings. But I thought maybe to start here, I, oh, this is a surprise. I wasn't sure I was going to play this, but... Uh, you know, the Maxwell sisters, not Ghislaine, the other two, uh, like the names escape me right now, but you'll see them Isabel in this clip. Isabel and Christine. Yes. Isabel. So they actually landed up with promise. You know, they landed up with what people yeah. believe they landed up with promise. And they started a company called Magellan in the 90s. Do you remember Magellan? It was like a search engine type thing. Yeah. Pre-Google, Google. Google. Mm -hmm. I, don't I don't know how Big they would have. Big data and cybersecurity. Oh, all that. Yeah. So uh, yeah. there's this great little bit of archive clip that uh, I, f I found on, on YouTube. Thank God for YouTube. Take a look at this. Your microphones are open during this because I'm sure you'll want to chuckle at parts of it. But uh, this is the two of them explaining to Tech TV of the day what Magellan is all about. The marketplace for the internet is an absolute and vast it, and it's just exponentially it's growing day by day, moment by moment in North America and worldwide. And it's not just the market for the internet itself but what, what what we're talking about really here is the marketplace for directories and the, the Magellan and McKinley group provide an online directory internet directory to the whole of the content of the internet to the best of the content of the internet not just the World Wide Web Isabel Maxwell along with her sister Christine and a team of international publishers launched their company called the McKinley group in 1993 and this is their home in Sausalito, California. 
When you come to this web directory, you have access to a fast search engine with an international database at your disposal. Like the internet is so vast, it's like going... So, I don't know if you got all that. I didn't hear a word, but uh, I'm glad you guys did. Um, so, that, that was them. The internet tube webs will be yeah. wonderful. There will be international information in the internet tube webs one day. So, this, this was so probably let's, Promise. Let's, let's back up a little. Yeah, yeah, let's back up a little bit because I don't know that all the listeners know what Promise is. Mm. Okay. So, Promise was software developed by a company called Inslaw. Um, and it was uh, one of the the first sort of database searching softwares that could work and interface with any number of what was sort of intranets at that time, right? Mm -hmm. So, uh, so uh, let's say the Department of Justice database, which is what it was actually developed for. And it could go into other databases and do searches. So essentially what the internet, <laughs> what Google is, right? It's like, I'm going to be able to search for, in, have a tool, a search engine that can search and match information amongst any number of databases. Um, and it was uh, developed, as we said, out of the Department of Justice. There were all these lawsuits afterwards between uh, INSLAW and the DOJ over who had the right to develop it, who owned it, what do you do with it, what about version 2.0, and who has the ability to keep doing these new versions and who has ownership of these versions because as far as the department of justice was positioning itself they own this but what it became is because they used it is if anyone else had promise there was a apparently a back door in there so for robert maxwell to take that and give it to the kgb means the kgb could use promise and look into anybody else's databases that were using promise this was sort of the big scandal and the big um it, it became spyware um i think it was also, originally intended to be i mean i'm not sure it was you I, know i think probably. they created it first as, as a as a way to track uh, crime or criminals going through the Brad department of justice or the criminal court the yeah but it was never really that i think it was always a, a a spying vehicle for them and that's why you know in's law the big scandal was they had developed the software but never got paid for it because basically the Department of Justice and uh, then the NSA decided to claim ownership over the software. Right. And, uh, right. and then the Israelis took it, which really was a handover. They did the back door in it. And then there were multiple other yeah. back doors added to it along the way. And that basically allowed everyone to spy on everybody else. So everybody so was spying on everybody. Yeah. yeah. It was like through this, through this software. Right. Um, so can, fun, can I add the, some... the functionality of the software is exactly what those two daughters of uh, Robert right. Maxwell just described. It, right. It, that's that's promise. They were defining promise. And that's amazing that this technology landed up in the in the commercial space. Some people speculated actually might it be Google, it might be Facebook. Uh, we just don't see it as that because we don't want the underlying technology is there. But it could be that. You know, there's always been these rumors that the CIA started Facebook or the FSB started Facebook. Well, maybe there is a, a secret service behind all of those. It maybe promises the underbelly of all of that. Oh, well, that that is not a secret. You've got InQtel, which is the venture capital right. arm uh, of the intelligence community, not only run through uh, the Central Intelligence Agency, and I believe they're, I'm, I'm not as clear on their their 
backing up Facebook, but I, I know that uh, the intelligence community had a heavy hand in, in Google, uh, a company that seems to have forgotten its roots. Mm-hmm. Um, and I come to understand that what they really wanted was, because uh, maybe the promise type uh, software was somewhere else, or maybe their search engine was based on, was a, you know, a promise knockoff. But what they were really interested in was Google Earth, essentially, because satellite imagery was, um, was getting more and more powerful. Uh, and you have uh, the development of the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency, which I believe quarterback its its support there, that they wanted search. And uh, we now are hearing stories about, um, uh, I think there was a, a sanctions story recently about um, limiting uh, the, the proliferation of AI mm-hmm. um, search. Still got you guys? I can hear you. Is everyone still there? You. I can hear you. Can you hear me? LB? I can hear. I can okay. Hear. I'm here. Ah, oh, the interweb. You see what happens when you start talking about the interweb and it's a uh, <laughs> secret service back. Are we still on? <laughs> we are still on, yes. Yeah, we we're can't here, hear you. We're we can't here, hear we're you. Here. Uh, well, this is it. No, we right. can hear you, actually. I should say okay. we can hear you, but you can't hear us. Um, but the... So, uh, Okay. All right. So I'm glad, you know, I almost broke into song there just as a test, but okay. <laughs> uh, that we're that there was a recent sanction story about uh, um, artificial intelligence software that could interpret satellite data. And our sensing is only going to get better. But anyhow, yeah, no, the intelligence community of every nation has had a deep interest in every form of relational database, um, interconnection of computers, especially for spying. And one other aspect I wanted to bring in, and I want to kick this to LB, uh, you know, that we always want some level of spying from other um from other actors. Uh, we, we permit the vast majority of, of countries, you know, know that there are other spies on their soil and permit that because especially when you have nuclear weapons, you don't want the other guy blind because that's when you get really nervous. So you want to have somebody knowing kind of what you're up to a bit and then you can look what they're looking at. So imagine how the Hall of Mirrors gets going here. You have you have the software that can spy us, and we can spy on you looking at what you're looking at, so we know which spies to track, which makes a whole lot of sense if you know about the in- integration of organized crime and intelligence operations. And if you could see, wait a minute, how far is that investigation of those guys going? Are they going to get our spy operation? Are they looking at us, getting their spy operation? Are they looking at us, looking at us? Getting their... So anyhow, yeah, this kind of software... Uh, would be of interest to everyone and no surprise that the spy fucketeers were all over it. LB? Yeah, I, I think the problem of all of that is that that means that you've given the world's, at some point, uh, the world's worst criminals, most dangerous people, um, your spy tools. And never give the the mobsters spy tools this is never going to work out um don't give it to terrorists don't give it to arms traffickers <laughs> it's not you don't these are not the people that you want having that kind of capability and yet we did and, we just sort of handed them over i mean who, who made that decision to hand over a um a tool set like that. I mean, that seems like a, you know, e- either really ill-informed or just malicious. Right. Or, you know, or the naivete that um, 
although there isn't naivete. You, you want to say that these people are naive, right, in, in terms of the United States. Um, but they keep seeming to get themselves caught up in uh, have it should have known better that even uh, maybe your allies or your friends spies wait, methods of uh, of doing their spying is not the same as yours. There's not the same boundaries around it. They, there's no problem, uh, especially with your enemies. There's no problem for the Kremlin to give. Uh, Mogilevich promise, and then for that to end up with Osama bin Laden, who can then see where are you hunting me? <laughs> I'll just stay right. in this cave, or I'll go to this compound because I can see what you're, what you're all, what you're going after when it comes to trying to find me. That's actually a really um, important point, the bin Laden point. I don't think people right realize that uh, Osama bin Laden had a perfectly functioning copy of Promise uh, yeah. when when uh, he he was found and. It, it came from, we believe, Semyon Mogilevich. That's the reporting on it. Um, uh, we do. We also do know that it's the same version of Promise that our big, uh, the the big, biggest spy we ever caught, uh, one of them, uh, Robert uh, Hansen, mm -hmm. gave to uh, his his folks at the KGB. So. Um, so it's the same version. There are many versions of promise. Uh, it could just be coincidence. Um, I don't know. I doubt it's coincidence. Like, it just feels like. It kind of feels like, kind of feels like that guy uh, handed uh, uh, some very, you know, very dangerous tools um, and versions of things over where maybe Maxwell had already fallen off the, uh, fallen off his boat. Right. Really. No longer. Deliver. Really puts into question yeah. the whole thing there around uh, around Osama bin Laden's entire operation. Yeah, sure. No one's well, jumping into that one. <laughs> no, you need you need thugs on the ground, right? Yeah. You need thugs on the ground. So there's also the uh, they gave you know Maxwell sold the back door key to the Chinese. They in turn uh, used that to get into Los Alamos and steal the nuclear secrets of the of the United States using our own technology. It's just it's just oh, so painful. It is. It is yeah, painful. It's yeah. Just a, pain, a painful naivete. Yeah. Painful. Is that what it is, Eric? Painful naivete, or is someone is someone calculating a much bigger game that we aren't even seeing? Well, something I learned in Washington was, you know, lest you ever think that you have been in the sanctum, sanctorum of the temple of all the secrets, there's another door to go through, mm -hmm. and when you get through that door there'll be another door to go through. Do not be ever believe that you have the full story of anything. Um, that said, we're in a special time where some really weird stories that used to be, I think, you know, limited to very high levels of intelligence agencies, mm -hmm. because, you know, remember, there are people with clearances, you know, when you talk about the intelligence community and people that have, you know, top secret security clearance, you get to look at your tiny part of that. The number of people that would know the overall threat matrix and specifically the the biggest weaknesses that any agency, group of agencies or the world in general would have, you're talking about, you know, directors of agencies, heads of state, um, and that's a, that's a just a vanishingly tiny percentage of humanity. And here we are talking about stuff that used to be in the hands of dozens of people because 
the fucketeers got in the White House. Mm -hmm. Those guys are supposed to be on yachts doing some weird thing where, okay, well, Nixon got in trouble, and so the CIA, you can't give them too much budget because people are worried. So, well, so we can't give them our money directly, but we can maybe sell the Saudis some missiles, and then we'll take that back and we'll buy some... Uh, you know, some stocks and bonds or, you know, savings and loan bank, and then we'll take that and we'll fund these guys. Um, that's where those guys are. They're on the yacht doing the deal, getting the dude on camera doing something he shouldn't, and it's the fucketeers. So the They're fucketeers not supposed to be in the I Rose I can't Garden. believe this phrase that fell out of my It's uh, it, It's going to be you in lasted history. So. <laughs> I have, a, I have a graphic I actually found while we were talking about it. I wish I had time to rename it, the Fucketeers, but it's called All the President's <laughs> Men. Um, <laughs> I mean, there you go. There they are. They do have faces. <laughs> there we go, the Fucketeers. So, you know, look at what Bill Barr has done in terms of clearing Giuliani, in terms of almost clearing Stone, almost clearing Flynn, clearing Epstein. Basically. Clearing Giuliani? Well, you know, is he facing any charges right now for all his, you know, his handiwork in Ukraine? I don't see him under investigation anymore. There was a little bit of an investigation that got completely killed by Mr. Barr. Um, so, yeah. you know, he seems to be getting off. He seems to be on TV all the time. Gets on Fox News, no problem. So, yeah. I think his Ukraine stuff, mm. um, we're still going to see another round of that in uh is sort of a big disinfo propaganda push against biden i do yeah. i do think we'll see some more stuff and and we'll talk about it when it happens but i don't think rudy's fucketeering is done i don't think he's just you know now screaming from the ceilings uh, like a banshee uh, i think his he still was up there up to no good and and Barr is clearly aware of all that because he's sort of the king of propaganda there of running that um all those fantasies that those that those dead dicks are constantly peddling. <laughs> um, but it, so we'll see we'll see some more from Giuliani, and I, who knows if anything will ever get him in trouble? Who knows? Who knows? And then there's this mysterious Mr. Eric Prince, who seems to work for either the Chinese or the UAE or the Israelis. Whoever I don't know, he seems to work for everybody. He's a very senior advisor uh, tied to Donald Trump' entire re-election campaign. Uh, and he's still around. He's still, uh, you know, operating the the new Blackwater, whatever it's called now, Frontier Resources Group. Some people suspect he may have been involved in some of the uh, new paramilitary that are showing up in, in Washington, D.C. and other places uh, that people don't seem to recognize where they're from. Now, I haven't heard any confirmation of that, but that would be interesting, too. Uh, Fucketeers LLC is uh, the new organization. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Quickly register that. Um, let's look at let's look, I wanted to talk about BCCI because I think that was another big thing that came yeah. out of yesterday. Um, you had some thought about BCCI, uh, LB. Why don't you walk us through that? Well, I just, you know, we did. I did the big sort of a little bit of a rambling. Um, let me try to tell you this massive story about this bank boiled down version last night. Mm -hmm. So it, it's, uh, you know, it, 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 I do think historically, I mean, Deutsche Bank may in turn, we may have time to look back on that and sort of see that maybe it rivaled BCCI. But uh, BCCI, there's just was nothing like it at that level and that scale in terms of being this massive money laundering um, 
arms trafficking. It just was everything. It was covert ops, what we call the dirty toilet ops, right? Mm. Um, and uh, that was the bank for all of uh, of these uh, of the fucketeers, the global fucketeers. So, um, so there's a couple of interesting things I think to sort of help people kind of fill in about BCCI. Um, and they should look at it. It's just a never ending unfolding story. Um, everywhere you turn, you'll find this bank when you're looking at organized crime, and especially the intersection between organized crime and intelligence operations. Um, so there's a couple of things. I think, you know, one of the things that blew up BCCI, which, which is so interesting to me, was this one of their subsidiaries got popped. And it was a a bank called First American something something uh, that was actually founded and run by a former Secretary of State. Hmm. Um, so uh, a guy by the name of Clark Clifford, who oh Defense Secretary, I'm so sorry, who was LB, LBJ's Defense Secretary. Um, and when First American got sort of discovered, there was some bad transactions going in their money laundering stuff. And it got exposed, and then it became known. Oh my God! This bank, run by a former defense secretary who's connected into all these spy networks, still and, and privately, is owned by BCCI. Right? It's like, and it just blew everybody's mind. Um, and so that sort of shows you how, like, insidious this band of people have been just sort of running around from the 70s, 80s and, and 90s on, you know, doing their dirty shit off the books. Um, and it's still intelligence related. It's still connected. Uh, now, Clifford, of course, he's passed now. And he, of course, denied this. It was him and his uh, attorney. It was a private attorney as well. And his, his associate, his partner there, a guy by the name of Altman, ran um, First American. And they just kept saying, we didn't know, we were duped, you know, we had no idea that BCCI owned us, except that, you know, they had lucrative ties to BCCI since 1978, when BCCI hired their law firm to represent them. And they were running around um, knowing that they were getting money into their bank and funding into the bank out of the Middle East, from the Saudis, from the, from the very people who were actually the money behind BCCI as well. Hmm. So I just find that to be one of those things where you can kind of really see that the halls of power, it have been intersecting this world of dirty ops and money laundering and fucketeers pre Donald Trump. It's, 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 there's stuff that's been going on. It just never has, we've never had. Thank you, Eric. <laughs> president. Eric just sent us the, uh, the, the redone uh, graphic. Uh, oh, the fucketeers at it. So th thank you very much. quick work quick work over there, very cool. Um, I so, wanted I wanted to uh, and then, so go ahead. Look, we're, we're, and then we should get into BCCI and promise if you want to we can fill that in for people or do that another time. What I really want to show people is uh, Bill Barr's incredible longevity as a cover up general because. When yeah, BCCI yeah. was first being investigated, he suddenly became attorney general. Um, and in becoming attorney general, he was able to cover up the whole BCCI scandal. The, the, there's a really interesting and quite long, if anyone's interested, confirmation hearing, which people should watch. I did it for you. And there's a really interesting exchange in the middle of there where Joe Biden 
then the senator, uh, was taking on Bill Barr, the uh, wannabe Attorney General of the United States, discussing about BCCI and whether there was a real conflict of interest. And uh, it's, it's a bit long, three minutes, but it's, it's worth everyone's time. It's really enjoyable well, if you're a geek like me. Um, here is Bill Barr v. Joe Biden uh, from 1992, I believe, or, or somewhere around there. It is my understanding, and I do not know this for a fact, that uh, your uh, former law firm, Shaw and Pittman, now represent the, uh, um, the president of BCCI. Is that true, to the best of your knowledge? Uh, I learned uh, yesterday that they're representing Nakvi. And what is his position? Was, uh, I think he is one of the, the very senior people. Now, was there any work done by that law firm when you were with the law firm as a partner or as an associate no, let me, in regard to BCCI? Let me make it clear. This is my understanding. Uh, the law firm, I am told, represented people who owned Financial General back in 78 when it was being purchased uh, by others, one of whom was Frank Saul. Uh, and apparently it says in the paper that Frank Saul suggested that this was a move by BCCI to take control. Uh, that was the first year I was at the firm. I was an associate. I don't believe I had any uh, contact with that matter. That was, uh, as I say, uh, uh, the people representing a person who was a shareholder and uh, whose interest was ultimately bought out. Um, my understanding is uh, that Nakvi uh, became a client of the firm well after I left, and uh, I've been gone for almost three years. Well after you left as a partner? Yes. I left the... You were there as an associate in the early 70s? Correct. Then uh, let me, I'll give you the chronology. I was at the law firm from 78 to 82 as an associate. Uh, I then returned to the firm from the White House uh, and was there from 83 to 84 as an associate, made partner, and was at, at the firm as a partner from 85 to um, 89 when I uh, came into the administration as the head of OLC. Uh, so I've been uh, away from the firm for almost three years. So when you say you left the firm, when, when your last statement you say when you left the firm, you're referring to 1989, yeah. when you left as a partner? Yes. Okay. Uh, my understanding is Nakvi has become a recent client of one of the partners there. So the best of you I have no, let me just say, I have no financial interest in the firm. I liquidated that completely when I left in 89. I have no arrangements with the firm. But when you were at the firm as a partner, not as an associate, the period when you were a partner, 85 to 89, where you would, I, I assume, have more access to information relative to what the firm was doing than when you were an associate, can you tell us whether or not the firm, at the time you were there as a partner from 85 to 89, in that time frame, whether or not they were representing BCCI or any of the principals in BCCI. Not to my knowledge. Not to your knowledge. That's good enough for me. Now, I'll come back with some other questions. My time's up. Let me say that, let me just say that, let me just say on that, that um, the firm has some international bank clients. I was never involved in that practice. Uh, and I never 
became aware of, of uh, them representing BCCI. For the record, how big is the firm? Uh, right now it's 240 or 50 lawyers. Hmm. Do you believe him? <laughs> oh, he's a liar. He's lying. Okay. He's lying there so, for sure. So, Swale He's Farabate. Um, <laughs> yeah. Swale Nakfi was the CEO of BCCI at the time that he's saying that his firm, he was at his firm and his firm was representing him. Mm -hmm. So, yes. I don't believe anything this man says. He's parsing everything. He's, he's you know, and, and even if it might have been, you know, that Nakfi, Nakfi was the deputy to um, Abedi, who was the who was the sort of founder, right? And Abedi got sick, he might have even died, and Nakfi, uh, but Nakfi was his deputy. He he took mm. over. He ran everything. This man, I, I, Bill Barr, I have not seen that. That makes my head explode. It's a really it's, uh, interesting yeah. clip because it does right. sort of you know who he was in. You know, who was in charge of the, sorry to interrupt you. You know, who was in charge of the Mueller, of the investigation, I just gave it away, of, of BCCI was Bob Mueller. He was reporting to Bob Mueller. To right. Barr. Right. So, same crowd, right. same team. Now, I'm not saying there same was something crowd. bad going on. I'm just saying that's interesting. Right. And, and everyone should read, actually, uh, Carrie put together, it's like 507 pages on the BP, BCCI scandal uh, coming out of the Senate and the investigation. It is the most over, like bend, bending over backwards to sort of be fair to this really corrupt bank report ever. Um, however, uh, you know, it's clear that there was um, at this time, because I can't remember who was the attorney general that Bill Barr was replacing, was it Thor something? Good anyway, but at this time, there had been a lot of stalling. There had been a lot of problems with investigating BCCI coming out of the attorney general's office. And so with this Senate hearing and then Bill Barr's appointment, it was sort of seen as, okay, finally we'll get some movement around all of this. Now, Mueller was deputy, okay, I believe for both through that transition, but he had been, he actually had been working hard at trying to get some things done. And there was a lot of frustration. The, Florida Attorney General's office, there was a huge part of this that was going through, you know, obviously a huge part in, in New York and that because uh, of the banks and the banking system always ends up there in that Southern district. And, and then a, a big part of it also down in Tampa, Florida. And Florida was so corrupt that the, <laughs> the folks down there were just blocking everything. And um, so I don't, and I think even a whole big part of this got thrown out um, or they got one little money laundering charge instead of uh, all of the arms trafficking and all of, I mean, there were, cause again, it wasn't just a bank. This bank had medical clinics. This bank had a medical clinic that one of the biggest whistleblowers, um, who was a bag man for arms trafficker, uh, his name was Cyrus Hemeni or something like that. And he was, uh, connected, very connected in with the Israeli government. Israel was like, uh, oh, we gotta take care of this guy. Um, and even asked, I think, Robert Maxwell, can you talk to him and try to get him to not cooperate with the U.S. Uh, because he was involved in the Iran-Cantra uh, scandal. And he was a bad man in that for the trafficking that was happening there. And all of a sudden, he was in this BCCI thing, because BCCI was the thing behind that. And he was going to end up, Cyrus was going to end up over in uh, the U.S. Um, testifying, cooperating. And two days after that got found out, this guy who had just had a physical, he was super healthy, super fit, you know, very much, you know, Mr. Like, 
you know, these dirty toilet guys, dirty toilet ops, um, those guys sometimes are really military and militant with their bodies and stay in great physical shape. So two days, uh, two days after it turns out he's going to cooperate, he collapses and is rushed to a BCCI controlled and owned clinic. Hmm. And in that clinic, uh, and then he dies two days later. Um, and uh, supposedly from some leukemia that was never in any of his blood work. And it's a mysterious form of leukemia, I think very similar to the Kremlin window cancer that a lot of people seem to catch mm. and fall out of windows. Um, and so then uh, they did blood. There was a lot of concern around this guy and his death. There was blood work that was requested. Uh, that actually went into MI6 because he, he worked also for MI6. Um, and no one has ever seen any of the results of any of that because no one ever sees anything that goes into MI6. They've never, they've never revealed anything. It's not like you can do a FOIA request to MI6. So mm. no one knows what was in his blood. Um, it did go, I think, into the germ warfare, some kind of germ warfare office because there was such concern over this clear assassination. When, uh, when this was being broken, Time Magazine put out this cover that I just threw out, uh, the world's sleaziest bank. Uh, so it was certainly, uh, people were aware yeah. of how bad this yes. bank was. And, yes, it was terrible. And Bill Barr just made it go away. Just made it go away. He made it go away. He made it go away. And it wasn't the only thing he made go away that, you know, as I, uh, let me throw this thing back up here. Because at, at the end of this timeline, the one just, uh, I guess it's uh, right here, this line here. Um, you've got uh, A.G. Barr, not only did the, the BCCI, but he also parted the people for Iran-Contra, including the vice president and, and Weinberg. I'll go into that in a second. But he also cleaned up Inslaw, which is the whole promise thing. So over you know several decades of crimes, Bill Barr has been able to clean up, uh, cover up, uh, do whatever you, know, you need to do when you're the cleanup guy. But he doesn't seem yeah, like I he's mean, doing it for it, America's interests. It's not. It's more like he's the shutdown king. No, he doesn't. King, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's the shutdown king. He shuts shit down and stops it. Stops investigations. That's what he does. The most powerful guy in, in, in the administration, I think, right now, could, you could argue, is Bill Barr. Yeah, I think he's, I think Greg Oliar is right. He's the most dangerous man in, in America. Yeah. And uh, Inslow was a big deal, of course, but Iran-Contra the biggest it was a disaster because it involved selling arms yeah. to iran um selling drugs to the contras bringing drugs from up there sorry to, uh, into into the united states as well uh, all run through the cia israel was involved uh, and several other countries the biggest thing around that revolved around um whether george bush who was the cia uh director back in 1976 when bill barr was just starting out his career uh in 1976 um but George Bush was the new director of the CIA. Fast forward to, to the Iran-Contra scandal, and now he's the guy who is holding the can on that big scandal. And it all turned around a specific meeting about whether he was attending a meeting um, uh, that discussed all of this. And of course, a lot of this revolved around uh, the president's then Ronald Reagan's um, lack of memory or, or he was having difficulty with some of his uh, faculties at the time. I'm going to play you a little clip. It's from the Great Bill Plant and CBS Evening News. It'll be interesting to get your, your points of view after this one. Here it is. Contradicting White House records, Mr. Reagan denied that his vice president was in a January 1986 Oval Office meeting when Secretaries Schultz and Weinberger objected to the arms for Iran deal. 
Mr. President, when Joe Binder expressed their objections to this arms sale, some confusion about that. No, he wasn't. He was not present. Schultz, Weinberger, Attorney General Meese, and former Chief of Staff Regan all testified that Bush did attend the January 7th meeting along with the President. Schultz told the Tower Board he argued against the arms plan as forcefully as I could. I was intense. But in last night's interview with CBS News, Bush couldn't remember. I've heard George Schultz be, be uh, very, very forceful. And if I were there and he was very, very forceful at that meeting, I would have remembered that. I don't remember that. Was he there? As far as my recollection is concerned, he was there. That the president today recalled specific details of that meeting two years ago surprised some, since he pleaded a faulty memory earlier on a major matter, the timing of a decision to approve the original arms shipment. One thing still upsetting me, however, is that no one kept proper records of meetings or decisions. This led to my failure to recollect whether I approved an arms shipment before or after the fact. As the arms scandal unfolded in late 86, the White House repeatedly insisted that Mr. Reagan wanted everyone involved to tell all. It is the president's desire to have the full story about Iran come out now. But today, Mr. Reagan defended the vice president's refusal to repeat what he told the president about the deal. No, I think he has been exactly right that that would set a precedent with regard to private conversations between presidents and vice presidents, and I don't think we have a right to do that. The president's defense comes as no surprise. It's an open secret. He favors George Bush. But there's a general belief here that whatever Bush says about the Iran deal doesn't matter because at this point it's all politics and that for Bush there are no right answers. Bill Plant, CBS News, the White House. Uh, interesting. Bill Platt, what a terrific uh, reporter uh, from CBS News. A little bit of archive there. Uh, yeah. Eric had to had to leave because it's, it is Saturday Eric night at, at 10 o'clock. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> what are your thoughts about that? That's really an interesting piece of tape, isn't it? Uh, it is. Um, all of those men, this is going to sound, and I'm not trying to upset my followers, but I have respect for all of those men for different reasons and in different ways. And they're all very tricky um, and they're all liars. And, I, and that's a horrible thing to say, mm -hmm. but, um, and I, I'm sorry to say that about uh, two past presidents, but uh, I don't believe any of it was out of a, a, a malevolence for the nation. It was always out of uh, believing what was best for, uh, I believe, what they perceived to be what was best for us. Mm -hmm. um, but that doesn't mean you can tell who's telling the truth <laughs> when. Um, so a dust up between Schultz and, and HW about who was in the room when, and um, in, that, in that particular scenario, um, I tend to believe H.W. And I think for Reagan, when he, I remember that moment. So you tend to believe H.W. in that? Because I, I, I don't think he's telling the truth there. A little there. bit. I think he was at that meeting. Uh, and, I, you know. For, I, well, I think, I think here's what he's saying. He, here's what he's saying. He's saying if Schultz was screaming at me mm -hmm. at that meeting. Let me put it this way. Yeah. He's saying if Schultz was screaming at me at that meeting, if, if Schultz wasn't okay with this, I right. would have known. <laughs> right, that's what he's saying, um, maybe, but he's not. That's what he's saying. But he was there. That's what he's saying. So whether, whether this, uh, this is what I'm going to get to with Reagan, for Reagan to say, you know, 
at least in accountability, and he owned the fact that nobody took any notes on the meetings or who was there. Now, another for red flag. To believe that, yeah, for anyone to believe that that was unintentional, it, it, I, I mean, I got a rich, right? So clearly they knew they were doing dirty toilet ops. Mm -hmm. um, they had their reasons for doing it and don't put anything on any kind of record. Um, yeah. And so then it comes down to, well, they got exposed. And so now what are they going to say about one another? Right. Um, and and, and, and that became the game. That became the, the very dangerous, very dangerous to have that happening inside and that, an administration. And those Forget are the people that Bill Barr uh, pardoned. Those were the people that Bill Barr came in and said, up, 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 let's just put lids on all these things and put it on the shelf and we'll just move on along. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and that's just, it's not okay anymore. We have to stop this. Uh, well, we have to, the American people are children. We can handle it. Let us know what you're doing. But you've got to have some sort of dirty. You've got to have some sort of dark ops. I mean, there's no ways you can reveal everything about a country's efforts. I'm not it would saying be... that, but what, when you're caught, you're caught. Right. No, you, you are caught. Those men were caught. And now it's still coming out. It's, it's still coming out. Look well, at what we learned last night. We're going to find out that, that there is a lot of money from that particular scandal that got pushed through Towers Financial. That's what we're going to end up finding out. I think so. I mean, that was the big bombshell of the night, and it's worth underlining this. I mean, it's it's one thing that this was the biggest Ponzi scheme at the time. It's another thing that this Ponzi scheme was also laundering uh, profits from selling arms to Iran and maybe, you know, drug smuggling, who knows what else. But the, the, the third thing that makes it more dramatic is that it's it possibly at the behest of foreign governments. That, you know, this $400 million went missing from investors and this giant Ponzi scheme collapsed, not just because these arms smugglers were doing things, it was because maybe foreign governments were doing these things. Yeah. <laughs> it appears so that way. I mean, there's no evidence. It, it appears that way. And so then you come back to that question that, that uh, I'm sorry, we do need answers for it. And it's it's time to try to get them of who were these men working for yeah. who was paying them because yeah, you can get your grift off of a great big deal and say, okay, that's my payment, but that's your agreed upon how you're going to get your payment. Somebody's contracting you. Mm -hmm. You're doing that for someone. Mm -hmm. um, Jeffrey Epstein wasn't, wasn't working for himself. He wasn't. No, and actually, that's why I feel like Ghislaine Maxwell as well, in some ways, operating on orders, not not saying they're not guilty, but operating on orders. I mean, yeah. it's it's the who's above that? Who came up with this stuff? Who's or, the or operating in a way that it's getting sanctioned because somebody's getting a benefit out of it. Right. Someone's right. getting what they want out of that operation. And that's the and key you know, factor. I, I think I should go ahead and I think I should go ahead and say what we've been talking about. You know, mm. I, I do think that the victims should look at um, who they might want to be suing it very similar to the way that the 9 11 uh, victims families are suing the kingdom of saudi arabia mm -hmm. you know if 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 epstein and maxwell um, from even the time back at towers were operating uh, their business on behalf of for a stump ford intelligence service um, then I would 
I would look at who who could I sue? Yeah, um, and maybe not just that, one. There's maybe there's three. Maybe there's three intelligence services. Yeah, maybe there are, and there's plenty of of evidence. There really is plenty of evidence, um, and possible paper on the money. Even it's in some places to um, to launch a lawsuit and let discovery um, reveal what it's going to reveal. That would be a fascinating event. Um, we should probably wrap up soon, but I want to just remind everyone that okay. Bill Barr has one other thing uh, that is very prominent in his record about um, about about covering up, and that is his covering up of Epstein. Now, he wasn't directly involved in the 2008 cover-up when Alex Acosta said, uh, you know, uh, Epstein was involved in some sort of intelligence, and he was told right. that Epstein needed this light sentence, which was basically uh, like a year and a half in a, in a Holiday Inn type uh, facility. Well, not quite Holiday Inn, but certainly that kind of facility. And uh, Bill Barr, when, when Epstein was first re-arrested, he, he, uh, he what do you, what's the term again? Sorry, I'm just losing my brain a little bit. Um, recused himself from uh, interfering in the Epstein or he being did. involved. And then, he, and, then he, and then he unrecused. Right. That was based on him. Said, no, 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 I got to come back. I got to come back in. Yeah. This. yeah. That was based on him being a former um, counselor at Kirkland and Ellis, a Chicago law firm that also had Jay Lefkowitz, who was uh, Epstein's lawyer, had previously worked there. Epstein's direct yeah. lawyer, who was, by the way, I think hired by Dershowitz and or at least first uh, put together in that team by Dershowitz. And also working there at some point in the, in the past was Alex Acosta, the very prosecutor who decides to give Epstein the light sentence. So I don't know what's going on in this law firm, but this does seem like an interesting nexus of activity because it's, yeah. it's Lefkowitz and Acosta who'd work out the deal um, to get Epstein off in secret with all the victims not finding out until after the fact, until after the fact that this thing had been struck. Yeah. That is friends That's in high places. Follow, that is not friends uh, in high places. That's a follow the lawyers um, is one of the rules, right? Follow mm. the money and follow the lawyers. Um, you can, uh, you know, look. Some law firms are just really, really good at, at of and specialized in 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 these crimes and. Um, and, and that's who you go to. You want those guys to come in and help you. And and then some lawyers are the Roy Cohns of the world. And, um, you know, in the baby toddler, you know, version, kind of sad bus version, you have the Michael Cohens of the world where it, it's there are lawyers because if they're there putting deals together, um, uh, listening in on conversations, then cr it's sort of that attorney-client privilege cloud can come over, um, uh, over any discovery around what was really happening. Now that doesn't end up working out all the time uh, because uh, you can't use that privilege, as we all know, just to um, cover up for criminal activity um, as some kind of shield. But I don't know this law firm. There's a lot going on with this law. Yeah. See, in addition to that, there's Jay Lefkowitz, who seems like a fine lawyer, seems like a nice enough person, also happened to work in the White House for President George W. Bush and George H. W. Bush. He served yeah. as the United States Special Envoy of Human Rights in North Korea 
I believe he worked for Reagan as well yeah. in, a, in, a, in a lower capacity. And if I remember my research correctly on this guy, he's also one of the, the key architects of the Refusnik um, program to bring Jews yeah. from Soviet Union in. Now, that's an oddly and very unusual set of, condition, of uh, coincidences, if they are coincidences. Yeah, and it's another one of those, it's just another one of those territories where you wander into it and you sort of like, I just want to wander out of this as fast as possible hmm. um, in terms of looking at what everyone might be up to. It's just sad. It is sad. And, uh, and I still don't, you know, as much as I, uh, every time I keep clunking into this issue of, you know, who are these foreign nations? Um, yeah. I don't think we know. I don't think we know the full extent of it yet. I think we maybe I know a cover story of a cover story, but I don't think we even have a clue of what's really going on. Um, and that's unsettling. It, in some ways, yeah. makes me feel better. Okay, it's not just this one country, but it's 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 a lot of lots of different forces and networks and overlapping networks that yeah. you know we can't always see. We can't we can't see actually. I think we can. You know, you've been able to identify. Uh, publicly this huge uh, organized crime network, but um, there yeah. are others on top of that and below that, and who knows how they fit in, but it's, a, it's, a, it's quite a web. It's quite a web, and I do think following the criminals and their money exposes a lot, and I think we've gotten to a point in, um, <laughs> in, this, in this great experiment um, post-World War II experiment, certainly, of world order, where um, you, can, you can see where the underworld of organized crime got so big, so much money in that second economy, so much of that money flooding in to our realm, right, um, that whole nations have become, uh, not the people, but power mm -hmm. uh, have become corrupted by not just the money, but the individuals. Mm -hmm. And this is the danger. This is the danger that has been there from the very beginning, frankly, um, in that intersection between mobsters and spies of, you know, intelligence services need to stop using these people because that it seems like, okay, the only way to infiltrate networks and the only way to have your national security. And I understand the sense of it. I understand the sense of working with these, these primarily men over all these years and using their banks and using their, their ops and using their people and using their distribution networks so that you can infiltrate them and see what's going on. But here's what happens. You know, what happens is they end up with promise. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then what happens is they just they just take you over yeah i it's it would be great for your for for your show to get some former um prosecutors of of our mafia mm -hmm. uh, we've got a lot of them out there that are great and and listen to what they say about how, how you don't hand power over you don't hand power of an intelligence service over even if you think oh i'm gonna run the mobsters uh, you know i've got it i'm you know i'm a you know, I'm a division within, you know, CIA or whatever, and we'll just, we'll just run these mobsters. We'll just do what we need them to do. No, they're going to take you over. You won't know what hit you. Absolutely. There's just no way of, 
of knowing where this ends once you start a game like this. And clearly, that's where we are today. I mean, you can't look at the events since 2016 in the United States and not tie them back to these events, maybe even sooner. You could probably go back to World War II, but you could yeah. definitely go back yeah. to, to the 70s and see a yeah. chain of events that led us from having a, a an independent uh, CIA, or at least appeared to be independent CIA, to one that seems to have been co-opted. And maybe it's not just the CIA. Maybe it's a broad intelligence it's community. It's not, and let's not hit on that. Yeah, that's actually very, it's an important point. Yeah, I should, I should yeah, be careful of that. Everyone gets into that. Be careful of that because, and I want to, you know, I don't want to sound that way. 100% either, but, correct, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, you're never going to move me off the ball that we are the good guys. <laughs> it's just you're never going to move me off that ball. I, we, I we, without a doubt, we that. are. I also think we are also under the yeah. enormous attack by a, a presence, a force that we can't even quite comprehend yet. Um, you know, that's yes. that's so. But there, there, the vast majority of people who work at the intelligence community in, in the United States are doing amazing work every day, and, oh, oh. and, and under these conditions, where they're literally under, under attack. These conditions with they're under attack from within. Yeah. Um, it's been horrible to watch. It's been painful and it's been dangerous. It's dangerous mm. for us. Yeah. Um, uh, and we'll, we will prevail, right? We really will. I, I do, you know, it's either that or the whole thing is over anyway. So, uh, I, yeah, we'd yeah. hope to live in a world where there's still freedom. Cause I think that's really what's <laughs> that's at stake. That. I mean, there's nothing less than that. Yeah. It really is. We're talking about basic freedoms, yeah. uh, and whether people on this planet are going to have those in the, in the future. And, that's why the stakes are so high, uh, as, and that's why all this work is so crucial to be able to fully understand what happened in, in all these events. We're going to keep on this because we have a lot of uh, stuff we've got to get all to. All right, hunt down uh, these fucketeers. Let's get, let's get those fucketeers. Uh, this is not being narrative. This is not being narrative. <laughs> but, uh, I'm so sorry. I'm no, so it's, sorry. it's fantastic. It's fantastic. I'm going to keep that forever. I might even frame it for my desk. Uh, <laughs> all right, uh, LB, thanks for, for, thanks for hanging out for the last hour. It's thanks, really good Dan. to hear your thoughts. And uh, Eric, thank you. I know you had to go, but thanks very much. And uh, don't forget, you can get the podcast right now on either the uh, um, the Apple iPod player. You can watch it there, which is great. Don't forget to subscribe, rate it, share it, do whatever you need to to make sure people get to see it and hear it. If you don't have an Apple player, you can also go to our uh, narrativelive.podbean.com page. That's where you can get the podcast and watch them. And once I've done this, I'll hopefully get to upload the uh, the audio-only versions, which will appear on Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all those other apps that don't have video. Uh, that'll take a little bit of time this evening, but you'll see it uh, later on. Have a good night, everybody.